God has a right to have authority, does He not? He created the heavens and earth. He created us. But not only did He create us, if we know Jesus Christ as Savior, He redeemed us. He sent His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to die on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins so that we can have everlasting life. And because of what He did, we can have the assurance of spending eternal life in heaven. When you think about the fact that He created us and He redeemed us, does that not mean that we ought to listen to what He has to say? Indeed, it does. We've been talking about discipleship. And when, when we think about discipleship, uh, my mind goes to Matthew 16, 24. There are various things that talk about discipleship. We, we've been uh, talking about them in recent days. If we continue in His Word, if we love one another, if we abide in Christ and bear much fruit, we are His disciples. But this is what Jesus said in Matthew 16, 24. Matthew chapter 16 and verse number 24. If, if any man come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Isn't that what we're supposed to do? Deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow the Lord Jesus Christ? When we deny ourselves, that's selflessness. Instead of having an inward focus, we should have an outward focus. Instead of just thinking of ourselves, we should be thinking of other people. And I, I really believe that here at Catawba, a lot of people do that. A lot of people here have an outward focus. They're, they're focused on serving one another through love. Selflessness instead of selfishness. Not a matter of inward focus. Number two is sacrifice. Take up his cross. We need to be willing to sacrifice. Too often we get caught in a comfort zone, and we don't want to leave it. We enjoy being comfortable. In fact, that's normal, is it not? How many of you enjoy being comfortable? How many of you like being uncomfortable? That's a dumb question. I mean, uncomfortable means we don't like it. But sometimes we need to leave our comfort zones. I think of our military. Aren't you glad that they are willing to leave their comfort zones for us? If they were not, we probably would not have the freedoms that we have today. And we need to endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Number one, selflessness. Number two, sacrifice. And then number three is surrender. Follow me. Now, they were coming after Jesus, the 12 disciples, and some others as well. They were spending a lot of time with him. Peter made it clear to Jesus they had left all and followed him, and Jesus said, you're going to be rewarded. But there's one thing to, in name, come after Jesus. There's another thing to really follow him. And, and it's a matter of surrender, not a co-leadership philosophy where we do whatever we want, but instead a determination that we're going to do what God wants, that we are going to respond in a positive way to God, to God's word, to God's will, and to the authorities that God has placed in our path. We need to be willing to surrender to God, to give up to Him. Now the greatest example of that, of course, is the Lord Jesus Christ. If you want, if you will, take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 26. We're going to look at verses 36 through 46. Matthew chapter 26, verses 36 to 46. This is in the Garden of Gethsemane. Verse 36, Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to the disciples, sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter 
the two sons of Zebedee, that'd be John and James, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. He went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O oh, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, What? Could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, a second time, he went away and prayed, saying, O oh, my father, if this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, your will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. So he left them, went away again, and prayed the third time, saying the same words. Then he came to his disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we look at this portion of Scripture and a few others, we pray that you will guide us and direct us in our thinking, that we will be transformed by the renewing of our minds, so that we may please you. In Jesus' name, amen. I think as we look at this portion of Scripture, we need to recognize three things as we think about surrender. And this would be from the perspective of Jesus Christ and the example he sets for us. Number one, the struggle was real. Sometimes when we think about Jesus, we think, oh, he was the Son of God. It was easy for him to obey. It was easy for him to do what he needed to do. But apparently it was not easy for him. It was a struggle. And I think for many of us, Following Jesus Christ can be a struggle. It can be difficult. Sometimes it's a little easier than others. Sometimes it's harder than others. But for Jesus, the struggle was real. We see this in verses 36 through 39. Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to the disciples, sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee. He began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Sounds like a struggle to me. He was going through a hard time as he looked ahead to dying on the cross. He was sorrowful and deeply distressed. And he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful even to death. Stay here and watch with me. He went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed saying, oh my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Humanly speaking, Jesus did not want to die on the cross. He knew that it was going to be a terrible event. If there was any other way, he wanted to take that way. He said, my father, let this cup pass from me. Because he knew that there was going to be terrible physical suffering. The Romans had perfected torture with the cross. It was a terrible experience for someone who was going to die. But not only physical suffering, also emotional suffering. One of the things that was difficult was that, in a sense, God forsook him, or at least Jesus felt like God forsook him during this time because of the sin that he was bearing. He was separated from the Father for a while. He had never been separated from the Father. He and the Father had been one throughout eternity. And then all of a sudden, because of dying on the cross, he's separated from the Father for a little while. That was extremely difficult. And then, of course, the spiritual suffering. 
He bore on himself the sins of the entire world. Anybody who has ever lived, anybody who will ever live, he died on the cross to pay the penalty for those sins. And, and that spiritual suffering, that spiritual burden had to weigh heavily on him. He knew what he was getting into, and it was a struggle. It was difficult for him. Now, I think that we need to recognize that, that we go through struggles sometimes as well as we seek to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. It is not always easy. Another portion of Scripture, Luke chapter 22, gives us a little bit more detail. Luke chapter 22 and verse number 44 that says this, And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Would you say that was a struggle? Would you say that was difficult? Again, what Jesus said was that he was extremely sorrowful. As, as, we, as we think about verse number 38, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful even to death. Stay here and watch with me. The bad news is that following Jesus Christ can sometimes be difficult. The good news is that he helps us. Just as he went through a struggle, he can help us when we struggle. In fact, we see that in Hebrews chapter 4, verses 15 and 16. If you don't mind, turn there for just a minute. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 15 and 16, because we get an insight into the Lord Jesus Christ and the struggle that he went through. We'll start actually at verse number 14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. He was tempted just like you and I are tempted. He went through a difficult, difficult time, especially in the Garden of Gethsemane and then then being betrayed and being scourged and being uh, crucified on the cross. He went through a tough, tough time, but he came through without doing any sin. Verse 16, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Because Jesus struggled himself, he can help those of us who struggle as well. The struggle was real for Jesus, and the struggle can be real for us as well as we seek to surrender to Jesus Christ and to follow him. But not only was the struggle real, the support was lacking. I was just going to say a verse or two or see that in a verse or two in Matthew chapter 26, but the reality is you see it through almost the whole portion of Scripture, beginning at verse number 37. Matthew 26 and verse number 37, he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee. That was the inner three. Those were the ones that were with Jesus most often. He began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. He said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. He was calling on them for support. Don't you like to have support? Don't you like to have someone who is encouraging you? Well, they weren't much of an encouragement. He went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. 
Then he came to the disciples, these people that he was counting on for support or encouragement, and he found them doing what? Sleeping. They had a long day. They had probably had a pretty big meal. When, you, when you've had a long day and you eat a pretty good meal, what tends to happen? Tend to fall asleep. Unless you're motivated. Unless you're really passionate about something. Apparently they weren't extremely motivated or extremely passionate. He came to them and said to Peter, why Peter? Well, Peter was the one who Jesus said, you're going to deny me three times by the time the cock crows twice. Cock crows twice. Cock crows twice. Rooster crows twice. He was the one that said, no, not me. If other people deny you, I'll never deny you. But he said to Peter, what, could you not watch with me even one hour? Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Isn't that a great verse? We need to watch and pray. We might want to do what is right. We might want to be surrendered to God, but we need to recognize that the flesh is weak, even though we want to. And therefore, it's important for us to watch and pray. Prayer makes the difference. Again, a second time he went away and prayed, saying, Oh, my Father, if this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, your will be done. He came again and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. They couldn't keep their eyes open. So he left them, went away again, prayed the third time, saying the same words. He came to his disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand. The Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. He could have said to them, You know, you didn't really come through for me. You, you weren't really there for me. Sometimes we feel that way, do we not? As we think about the people in our lives, in our, in our environment, in our orbits, sometimes we would like for them to come through for us, but sometimes they do not. The bad news is they don't. But the good news is that God always comes through. Isn't that encouraging? Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22 and verse number 43. After talking about the fact that they were not there, it says, Then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. You know, even if the people we want to support us are not there, God is always there. Jesus said in Hebrews 13:5, I will never leave you nor forsake you. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse number 7. Is casting all your care on him because he cares for you. Isn't it good to know that we can depend on Jesus even when the support is lacking? The disciples were not much help, but God did not let Jesus down. Number one, the struggle was real. It was tough to go through what Jesus went through, and sometimes life and ministry and whatever else can be tough for us. Number two, the support was lacking. The disciples, instead of praying, they were sleeping. But number three, the surrender was amazing. Time after time, Jesus basically prayed this, not my will, but yours be done. 
He said, I, I wish this cup could pass away from me. I wish I would not have to drink this cup of suffering. But not my will, but yours be done. Now these next three points are from Jesus' perspective. The first one is this. It's interesting. Jesus did not start surrendering to God at the end of his life. He started early. And that's what we need to do as well. We need to be faithful to God, surrender to him throughout our lives. We know the story in Luke chapter 2 where Jesus stayed behind. His parents, Joseph and Mary, went on with the crowd. They traveled a day. They found out he wasn't with them, traveled a day back to Jerusalem. Then they looked through. After three days, they found him finally in the temple. And Joseph and Mary were a little bit perturbed, I think. And they said, what in the world did you, why'd you do this? And he said, did you not know that I must what? Be about my father's business. Aren't we supposed to be about our father's business? Aren't we supposed to be focusing on him, on his word, on his will? Jesus did that at a young age. I really believe that God's will and God's word are, are, are so much in intertwined. If we really want to do God's will, surrender to his will, then we need to spend time in God's word. 2 Timothy chapter 3 talks about scripture. 2 Timothy chapter 3 verses 16 and 17, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. In other words, what we need to do is we need to spend time in God's word so that we can adequately surrender to God, to his will. We can know what to do. We can have the strength to do it because we're spending time in the word of God. Psalm 119, verse number 11, Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. If we want to be surrendered to, to do God's will, then we need to learn God's word so that we can know what to do and have the strength to do it. It's important for us to recognize this. And then Romans chapter 12 verses 1 and 2 has a, a similar message. In Romans chapter 12 verses 1 and 2 it talks about us presenting our bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is our reasonable service. Isn't that surrender? Basically saying to God, God, I'm yours. I die to sin and self. I place myself on the altar. And I don't want what I want anymore. I want what you want. Not conformed to this world, but instead transformed by the renewing of our minds. We need to recognize the importance of being about our Father's business. Learning His Word and seeking to do his will. And Jesus, when he started his ministry, in John chapter 4, spent some time talking to the Samaritan woman. The disciples had gone into town to buy some food. He was out by the well. He was thirsty. He asked her to draw some water for him. Generally speaking, Jews and Gentiles didn't spend too much time together, especially Jews and Gentile women. But he engaged in conversation. And he witnessed to her. He shared the gospel with her. Interesting conversation. And 
she wanted to go to town and tell others about Jesus, and she did that and came back. Well, while she was gone, the disciples came, and they were going to give him something to eat. But Jesus said these words in John 4, 34. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. My food is to do God's will. Now, I don't know about y'all, but I like to eat. And, and um, I, I just in, enjoy consuming food. Somebody brought me some pound cake today. I'm a happy person. Food is important, physical food. But is, that, is it as important as spiritual food? Is it as important as doing God's will? And obviously the answer to that is no. The most important thing is not the physical. The most important thing is the spiritual. The most important thing is not the earthly. The most important thing is the heavenly. And that was Jesus' perspective. When he was 12, he wanted to do his Father's will. When he started his ministry, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Several chapters later, excuse me, John chapter 8, verse number 29, Jesus said these words, I always do those things that please the Father. Pretty significant, isn't it? That always sort of catches some of us. I mean, because a lot of us really try to please God. But Jesus said, I always do those things which please the Father. He was a surrendered person. His perspective was that he was going to engage in total obedience to his Father. And that should be our perspective as well. Not doing what we want, but instead doing what God wants. Not following our plan, but following God's plan. Not doing it my way, but instead doing it God's way. His father's business, his food, was to do the will of him who sent him and to finish his work. And then his focus. His focus is seen in Matthew chapter 26 several times. He's saying, I'd rather this cup pass away. don't want to suffer. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Not my will, but yours be done. That's what surrender is all about. Doing things God's way. Following Him. Doing what He wants. It is so easy for us to make exceptions to surrender. We, we rationalize and we say, well... In this particular area of life, I think it's okay for me to go ahead and do this, even though I know God's Word says such and such. That's certainly not surrender to God, is it? That is what you call selective obedience. And God is not very pleased with selective obedience. He wants us to be totally obedient. Remember the story in Revelation about being lukewarm. We sometimes not totally obedient, we're selectively obedient, and that is not pleasing to God. But Jesus was engaged in total obedience. He was surrendered to God. It was his father's business. It was his food. It was his focus to do God's will instead of his own. Now, is all of this a challenge? It sure is. Because we're human. And again, we think, well, Jesus wasn't human. It was easier for him. But didn't he struggle? Sweating drops of blood. Have you ever done that? He didn't have support. When he needed them, 
his disciples were sound asleep. But he was totally surrendered. And that surrender was amazing. We need to have the same attitude. Now, I recognize that none of us are going to be perfect on this earth. We're never going to be entirely surrendered for, let's say, a year at a time or a decade at a time. But shouldn't we be more surrendered every day? Shouldn't we be seeking to live in such a way that we follow the example of Jesus Christ, who even though it was a struggle and even though he did not have support, he was totally surrendered to God's word. He was totally surrendered to God's will. This is easier to say than it is to do, but it's what God wants us to do. We are supposed to be like the Lord Jesus Christ. Several portions of Scripture indicate that. The question is, are we willing to surrender 100% to Him, to His Word, to His will? Matthew 16, 24, Jesus said, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, follow me. That means if we're going to be His disciples, then we need to engage in selflessness. We need to engage in sacrifice. We need to engage in surrender. Are we willing to do that? Are we willing to follow Jesus Christ 100%? The first step, of course, is trusting Jesus Christ as our Savior. We're sinners. We're separated from God because of our sin. We're dead in our trespasses and sin. But He has made us alive through Jesus Christ, and if we by faith depend on Jesus Christ to save us and to give us everlasting life, we get to go to heaven and we're new creatures in Jesus Christ. So the first step is to recognize we're sinners and rely on Jesus Christ to save us. But after we're Christians, what we need to do is repent and surrender and trust. We need to say, God, I've been wrong. I have messed up. I have sinned. I confess my sin to you. I surrender to you. I want to do your will. I want to follow your word. And I know I can't do it in my own strength, so I'm trusting you because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Are you willing to engage in, in selflessness and sacrifice and surrender? To repent, turn from your sin, to trust Jesus Christ as Savior and as Lord, surrender to His will and depending on Him to help you. I encourage you to do what the song says that we're about to sing. I surrender all. Did you know that sometimes we lie when we sing songs? Now, that doesn't mean I don't want you to sing. But it means I want you to think about what you're saying. I surrender all. I surrender all. All to Jesus, I surrender. I surrender all. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word, for the opportunity to talk a little bit about surrender. I thank you for the example of Jesus who though it was a terrible thing he went through, the struggle was great, even though he didn't have support, he surrendered totally to your will. Lord, I pray that you'll help us to do the same thing. We haven't trusted Christ as Savior. I pray that we will say yes. And if we have trusted Christ as Savior, I pray that we will say yes to your will, to your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.